Hello, all you lovely folks. My name is Brian. And my name is Hannah. And this is Stems. And Stories. So we're back. I like the little singy thing you just did there. That was nice. It's because I'm excited. It's really nice. Dum, 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 dum. We're going to now do the entire podcast exclusively singing, guys. And I'm okay with that. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. I sang in a ska band. I did not sing in a ska band. I sang in a choir. So did I. Um, I still don't recommend we do that. No, we're not going to do that. Anyway. (laughs) Well, we're back. Um, This is our second episode. And it is in honor of National Library Week and Seed Libraries. Yes, uh, and National Library Week, uh, you guessed it, is this week. Um, It is the first full week of April every year, so it's not really a surprise, but it's kind of great i don't know i i typically like the last week of april or the first week of may depending which is children's book week hosted by the cbc but uh national library week seemed really fitting uh because you know books and also brian's a librarian hi so i actually know a little bit about about national library week just a little bit just a little bit yeah um i mean especially when i was getting my master's in library science did you know it takes a master's to be a librarian wow 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 well when insert w- own <laughs> when wow I, wow he supports the podcast i know that for sure so when someone at owen wilson on twitter and tell yeah, him to follow us absolutely so when i was in library school you know we would do a lot of different things to ensure that we were observing National Library Week and, you know, making more of an, uh, like a kind of an outreach sort of thing to make others and the graduate studies, um, you know, the different programs of education, make them more aware that it was happening. So I remember just kind of looking into it a long time ago. And honestly, I forgot everything about it because I haven't worked with children and like younger children in the library setting in a long time so the last time i really did anything for national library week was a good seven or eight years ago when the you know the demographic was correct yeah for for me i like my whole experience with it comes from the book publishing side uh where you know you do try to recognize it encourage people to uh go to the libraries the company i currently work with um we don't have so many library based books but i used to uh, work a lot with books that would be really good in libraries uh, for different demographics of, you know, anywhere kids zero to 18 and even adults. Um, and there was one book launch that I was particularly excited to uh, work with and have during uh, National Library Week. And actually, since I've even left that company, I do believe that book did launch this week. So uh, congrats to them. But yeah, uh, that's been my whole experience is just working within the publishing sphere and recognizing that and uh, working with people at ALA or just following it and what's going on. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we should probably just kind of start there. I got a little bit of history about it, and Hannah just brought up an acronym, ALA. So National Library Week was first observed in 1958, so we're going way back here, uh, by a coalition of the ALA, or the American Library Association, along with a nonprofit citizens organization, which was referred to as the National Book Committee. Now, they started it as a motivation to inspire reading and literacy as a whole. 
And it really came to a head because in the 1950s, there was a growing concern that Americans were reading less. So to combat that, the theme for their first year was wake up and read with an exclamation point. That, that's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's that's kind of comical to me. Like, I don't know. That's not the first thing I want. I mean, there are people who get out of bed and like do push-ups in the morning. Well, I don't true, want to do that yeah. either. But like... I'll well, wake I, up I don't and know. Stay like, in bed. So the first thing that you you wake up and do is you're obviously going to read. So I don't know. Maybe they well, just maybe like the newspaper. Oh, well, perhaps but that doesn't yeah. really help with the library. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It was just essentially like a literacy campaign, and it it actually worked out. So it was between schools and libraries specifically, and it it, would, it actually worked out. I don't have the actual statistics on what happened but like clearly it worked out because it's yeah, still happening absolutely this yeah. many years later so in 1959 the next year it was voted to be a mainstay as an annual event and ala loves their annual events it's something that, that they really just absolutely love being able to promote literacy and libraries so this is just another one on their laundry list but yeah i mean by 1974, um, it just turned out that ALA took the whole thing over because the National Book Committee eventually disbanded and the ALA took full sponsorship and have observed it ever since. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty heavy thing to do, like, every year to have this. this a lot of freaking work. It's a lot of freaking work. <laughs> so um, every year, um, the National Library Week always has an honorary chairperson. This year, it's Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, which is great. Um, I love Natalie Portman. I always thought she was cool. Um, But it's good to see that, you know, she's involved in the American Library Association. Well, you know, it's because she she got a children's book of fables. Ah, yes. She has... And honestly, I haven't looked at it, but just, I I want to. I want to own it. Um, Like, surprise, surprise, I collect children's books. (laughs) Dear listeners, um, but uh, yeah, I would love to own it. It's just a, it's an illustrated book of fables, and I just think I like fables and folklore anyway. But also, I don't know, Natalie Portman kind of rocks. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. So yeah, she is the spokesperson, the honorary chairperson this year. But some other notables are the author of Ramona and Beezus, Judy Bloom, actress Jamie Lee Curtis, Mary Poppins. Well, uh, no, not really Mary <laughs> Poppins, but. Uh, Julie, Julie Andrews, Andrews. <laughs> yeah, and also one of Hannah's favorites. My fave, Neil Gaiman. I swear to God, I will bring him up in every single episode of this podcast, so if you're ever sick of hearing the name, Neil Gaiman, better leave now. Yeah, just start reading. Just start reading. Just start reading Neil Gaiman, and maybe I'll shut up about it. Probably won't, but maybe. Um, but yeah, the ALA has a wonderful history page that we're going to actually link to in the show notes with all of our other resources. So seeing the themes change over the years, it's really super interesting. You can kind of see the emergence of certain ideals and generally just how the focus has changed. Uh, some might find the themes hokey. Okay. So some of these, like, these are some real hot ones here. Might is like a strong suggestion there. Uh, 1984, it was knowledge is real power and real power was all one word real power real power real i don't power. know what that is <laughs> but that's fine um and then 1986 it's like years those later, horrible get caught reading things they used to have in like grade schools yep. yeah awful better get caught get caught reading get caught with a book it's so dangerous oh my god uh, and then 1986 uh the card with a change what? ellipses no 
no, user that's library. not real. That can't be that's, real. The card with a change. The card with a change. That sounds like an awful credit card slogan. It, like the Discover card. The card, the card with a change. change. The card that's going to screw you over on your student loans. <laughs> um, we're going to digress from that. Don't want to get too personal here. but um, I know, but, but you know, I am a librarian, so trust me. It, I understand it's hard to agree to get everybody to kind of get on the same bandwagon so i can only imagine that's true in like any career path true true (laughs) but like these themes it somebody must have really poured their heart and soul out for it and they had enough logistical reasoning to do it and that's great so um just so you know the many things that librarians love first acronyms and their jargon um and also committees to plan events they love committees. They so love. I guarantee there's a committee that goes into this whole planning. Especially academic librarians. Oh, for sure. There's a committee on committee on committee. Uh, a committee for the committee. So honestly, don't hate on the themes too much. Uh, for some reason, they were deemed important at the time. But just as, as I mean, there's still a theme now. Well, yeah, they there is. They do. But I mean, just think about it as the emergence. Uh, once 1998 started, every theme had the at symbol in it. <laughs> the at it's symbol. like when everybody like when twitter was a big thing and everything started to become a hashtag like every everybody was hashtagging everything there's still some people who are doing it and i'm like please stop like it is it is not 2000 like what was it 2010 that was like a really hot thing i don't, I don't know. know i was dead then so it really <laughs> didn't i don't know but yeah um but i mean the theme this year since we're talking about themes is welcome to your library which is meant to encompass the idea that it's your library that, you know, it's beyond the four walls of the physical building. Um, I think that's pretty fitting and a lot less kitschy than before. I mean, it's still got that like kitschy effect to it, but I think it makes sense given the past year and, you know, the rise of ebook downloads. They actually, um, Monday, uh, the first day of the National Library Week, The one of the things they always do is uh, put out a, a state of our libraries address kind of thing. It's a report that comes out. And it's pretty interesting. They have uh, banned books, or not like, not like banned books, but like the books that were the most challenged. And um, it's interesting to always look at that from year to year and see what's on it, because there are some that are always on it and like I was shocked I mean like I I guess I don't really study this nor do I memorize it but I was shocked to see that To Kill a Mockingbird is still on this damn list Forever, ever? and I was like are we still doing this are we still upset about this book because I thought we stopped being upset about this book like a while ago um apparently not but that's that's wonderful and I'm so glad that we have made such great strides in in to have that still be challenged but that's wonderful uh that's also a super super interesting thing to look at every year to see what's still on the challenge list the whole process that it goes through which is probably something that we'll talk about in the future yeah. books that are challenged and maybe plants that are challenging something something, <laughs> something along like that something along those lines but Every year, as we make fun of the ALA kitschy things, every episode actually is super kitschy. Yeah, every everything. So yeah, what Hannah was saying, they really are suggesting visiting your library online. So actually taking the time to connect to your local library, check out all of their services, all their social platforms, and see what they're doing to kind of create more of an ownership of it because it it does go beyond the four walls. It there's more than just 
what you see as a building. Yeah, I mean, this year, this past year was the first year, I mean, starting in like last March, is the first year I actively ever listened to audiobooks. And it was like, oh, I could get an e-library card and just start checking things out of Overdrive or Libby um, and listen to them on my walks, listen to my drives. I, well, not really driving many places since, you know, pandemic. But yeah, I mean, I think that that was an interesting turning point for a lot of people. People were reading more ebooks, listening to more audiobooks because they couldn't get the physical books out of the library or they were delayed um, and return processes were delayed. So yeah, and I think the response, they detail a lot of the response to the pandemic and some interesting things in the report. So definitely check that out um, if that at all interests you. Um, I kind of perused it a little bit, haven't gotten through the full thing, you know, stem to stern yet, but it's got some cool, cool information. Yeah. Other things specifically that are going on in this week. This one's really cool. You can hang out with Dan Rather on Thursday, April 8th. Um, it's a virtual conversation. So if you end up not being able to attend, typically they will record an event like this and make it available to watch in the future. So there was a sign up. Uh, you know, registration is limited. But that's just kind of the typical when it comes to an online event. And <laughs> guess what, Hannah? What? There's also a hashtag. There's always a hashtag. Yes. So the hashtag this time around is hashtag my library is, and it's to show what you really love about your library, anything big or small. It's really up to you what you want to talk about. And once again, like I said, following your library on social platforms. Um, remember that a part of our, all of our tax dollars goes to public libraries. And, and for good reason. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so staying Educate en- the youth. Staying engaged, though, is going to show that you have a stake in what they do. Keeps them going further. And if the library doesn't necessarily speak to you, at least you know that you're doing something for other people that really enjoy it. So we encourage you to at least do a quick Google search and see what your local library is all about. You can always go to ALA.org and see what other events are happening. Cause like, yeah, because like like sometimes libraries have really cool events. I know ours, um, the Buffalo Public Library, <laughs> the summer before last, hosted a, a live concert outside um, and here is my absolute nerdiness coming out. Um, it was a band called Harry and the Potters that I've been following since I was a, 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 a wee lass. <laughs> Stop that. Um, but, uh, of course it's literally guys dressed up like their brothers dressed up like Harry Potter and they sang songs about Harry Potter. If you like know this, but if you don't, there's an entire subgenre of music called rock, like with a W and it's wizard rock and like there's draco and the malfoys and the whomping willows but like harry and the potters started it all and they came and they did a harry potter day and they had harry and the potters come play and i was ecstatic and it's (laughs) stupid things like that are so much fun and you don't know unless you're like engaged with your library um or your library system at least to know what's going on and the different cool things that they might have um because sure that might have been marketed as a children's day but get out of my way kids <laughs> uh, i think it just brings out your uh your inner child one might say so yeah um so didn't you want to say something about about your hero oh about mr gaiman um yeah i really just kind of want to i wanted to mention that earlier um 
there, if you guys haven't read um, his collection of essays called Art Matters, it's illustrated by uh, Chris Riddell. I believe it's pronounced Riddell. Um, and it's just, it's a fantastic little con- collection of essays. The illustrations make it even better. And everything, first of all, everything Neil Gaiman says to me is just like beautifully poignant, but um, especially so in this book. Uh, And there's a whole section called Why Our Future Depends on Libraries Reading and Daydreaming. And it's one of the reasons um, in the blog post I just put up on uh, hannahrgordon.com talking about our uh, episode this week and National Library Weekend celebrating that. It, that essay is one of the reasons I said I'm not going to sit here and have a diatribe about like why libraries are so important and um, kind of why we haven't stuck on that. Like we're not sitting here preaching libraries are important because so many people that are far more important than us have said why libraries are important and need to be supported much more eloquently than I think either of us could say at least right now and there's no reason to kind of like harp on that it's just yeah they're important and so if you haven't yet read art matters you can read it in one sitting or you can listen to it and and neil gaiman read it you can get the audiobook through your local library how british does he sound it's not overwhelmingly british but it's nice i love him i like listening to <laughs> british men it's like a very nice read me stories when i go to bed <laughs> okay so we also um brian and i listened to uh an app called headspace and they have sleep casts uh and there are specific ones that like british or scottish men read i like lock dormant it's a scottish man yes, yes reading yes. by a lake and yeah that's nice it, they're nice little things i i do appreciate that i wish uh neil gaiman could do a sleep cast that'd be great i would listen to it every night well maybe in the future but uh, it sounded way creepier than it probably <laughs> meant. I probably meant it to be, but well, he's just got a great reading voice. That's true, and also beautiful handwriting. He handwrit like the whole. If you do read Art Matters, the lettering in it, I was like, this looks distinctively like his G and his signature because it is. He like did the whole hand. I'm like this is amazing because my handwriting looks like fucking chicken scratch. It's awful. Yeah, but yeah, just like I can. That's uh, it. I'm. Uh, I can definitely. <laughs> Neil Gaiman stand to that. Her, her crappy handwriting. But anyway, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Seed Libraries. Thank you for listening to Stems and Stories, a podcast at the intersection of books and botany. This episode is sponsored by Brian and Anna's determination to convince everyone in the world to get a library card, including you. Follow its stems and stories on all major social media platforms and confess your sins in the comment section. Hey there, folks. We're back. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, and we are on to our botanical portion of today's episode. And we're going to be talking about seed libraries because what better to talk about in conjunction with National Library Week? libraries if you say it like that it almost sounds like a sperm bank yep which i didn't even realize was another was another uh word or (laughs) phrase that's not what we're talking about we're not talking talking about about sperm sperm banks banks. seed libraries are actually a very interesting uh topic i'm 
Not all. I'm stuck on sperm banks. Oh, my God. Get your head <laughs> off of it. Well, how about this? I'll, I'll move us along real quick. So the first time that I ever heard of a seed library, uh, I was presenting at a conference in San Jose, California in 2018 with a couple of my colleagues. And I was presenting about library teaching and information literacy. And we saw that we were jutted up against another session about seed libraries. And I remember talking to my colleagues and being like, what in the actual fuck is a seed library and why the hell are they presenting at this conference? And obviously (laughs) I was poking fun because I'm a dick and I was ignorant. So look at me now, mom. (laughs) Honestly, like I might still be a dick sometimes, but I only do it in the nicest of ways. And I really did not know anything about it. So I was joking about it. And then when I started to look into it, because I heard something about it that I thought I was going to enjoy. I was like, wow, this is really very cool. This is such a great way to spread your seed. Oof. I don't really, I don't want to pick up that joke anymore. Um, But yeah, my, um, my introduction was a little bit different. I read an article about um, a specific uh, seed keeper network that we will talk about um, in a little bit. But for those of you who don't know what a seed library is, it is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It is a um, physical place or an organization that collects various types of seeds depending on what the goal of the organization is and um, either is keeping them and growing them in a specific place to uh, keep a certain kind of crop or plant alive in a region um, where it's not normally harvested anymore. Um, or they are uh, collected and distributed to those in a community um, that want to use the seeds and their specific uh, specific guidelines uh, and different kind of things with each library network. So once again, we're talking about fostering a community of sorts, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Sounds very librarian-ish. Uh, that's why they're called seed libraries. Absolutely, yes. So yeah, that's essentially how it works. So people will kind of give and take. Yeah, you you technically you're borrowing the seeds um, because from my understanding, the way seed libraries work now, I've never actually interacted with one. Uh, but from reading what I can tell, you know, you actually you go and you you check out, you borrow seeds and uh, someone from the seed library will follow up with you to, you know, see how you're doing in the growing process and um you know they have the directions on the packet of seeds and check up on the plant check up on you and say hey how is this going and when you are ready to harvest things you actually turn in the seeds from the thing the plants that you've harvest harvested and um those become seeds that get passed on to another person via the seed library network so it's kind of like take a penny leave a penny but Plants. Yeah, or like exactly like a book. Like oh, yeah, you right? put your na- you're putting your name in a book, and it's, it's, it may not be the exact same thing. It might not be the exact same copy of the book, but it's you know the same kind of seed that's getting left uh, behind from someone. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is just a pretty like a, a beautiful concept in in and of itself. That oh, like for sure you've grown something, and now the seeds from which something you've grown are getting passed on to someone else to grow, and those will get passed on to someone else as well. Um, and that is, I think that's why I was so interested in the article that I read. Uh, and it was a couple of years ago now that I read this article. I cannot remember where it was. I wish I could because it had very specific information that I, <laughs> I can't find anymore. Um, 
but it was an article that was detailing uh, the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network. And I, I went to school at St. Bonaventure University, which is about 20 minutes from the Seneca Reservation. And I did a lot of work in my undergrad to try and repair the relationship between the university and the Seneca Nation. It used to be a really close relationship, then not so much anymore. And so I have a very particular interest in um, indigenous things. That sounds very broad, and I mean that in the most respectful way. But I have a very particular interest in the types of ceremonial garb and headdresses that are worn because so often they're misrepresented. I have a very particular interest in the languages because so many of them are getting lost. Um, and I just think they're really, they're really interesting and beautiful. And I think the spirituality of indigenous Americans and the connection to the earth is something that um, me as a pagan can really relate to. So yeah, so it was my first introduction to seed libraries was through an article covering the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network, which essentially is exactly what it sounds like, taking uh, seeds that were that are no longer being um, uh, planted and harvested as an agricultural crop in a widespread manner and in the way that they were, um, you know, many years ago before a lot of genocide and land stealing, essentially. Um, and they're taking them and keeping them, uh, harvesting plants, and also giving uh, a space for the indigenous farmers who actually grow and tend to these crops and then use them in traditional cooking. So uh, if you visit, it's the nativefoodalliance.org. Um, and they have a lot of information about a culinary program that they have, uh, and they're using the 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 uh, crops from the seed library that helps the indigenous people kind of and communities reconnect with the traditional diets. Uh, so I just think it's a really interesting concept. And I love that that's where it's been taken and it's making a real difference in communities who've been so underserved and so ostracized. Um, but by no means is this a very specific thing that's only being done in those communities. There are so many interesting um, interesting ways I've seen this executed. Uh, and I actually recently came across the idea that there are, like there are little free libraries, like the little book stands you see on the side of the road. Somebody might have built one outside their house. I know Brian's built one before. Um, you would have a little free seed library and it would be exactly the same kind of a take one leave one concept and those are just started by individuals in their community i really like the idea of it and uh in doing some research i also i found some really great information i really love the indigenous aspect of it and i also feel the same way like in a broad way i just don't have as much experience um, observing it with Hannah, you know, being uh, a graduate from St. Bonaventure. But either way, I did find a really great article from gardeningknowhow.com, and it's essentially how to start a seed library. So it's got really great background information about the idea and how to really execute it. So just a direct quote here. So how does a seed library work? A seed library takes some time and effort to put together, but the way the library works is very simple. Gardeners are going to borrow the seeds from the library at a planting time. And then at the end of the growing season, like Hannah said, they bring 
a portion of the seeds back. But the, the thing that I really enjoy about it is, unlike a little free library, they ask you to actually divvy up and organize your seeds under the categories of super easy, easy, and difficult. So you know what you're getting yourself into if you're taking some difficult seeds from a difficult crop. And a lot of the crops, from what I'm understanding, they don't really succeed as well as they used to or they're not as accessible. So the more difficult crops are probably not going to yield as many seeds if the, pro the process of planting and harvesting doesn't go as planned. So I think it's it's probably in your best interest if you do plan on doing this to figure out who the person is or the people, the coalition, the community that is in charge of that specific um, seed library and find their contact information because chances are like like a librarian or a good steward of information or a good steward of goods they're probably going to want to be there to help nobody puts up a little free library in front of their house because they don't want people to take things from it <laughs> they want you to actually Can you imagine a little old man sitting on his hey get off my lawn Hi. and his wife's like Damn it, George, he's getting a book from the little free library. You built it last week. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> you mean like my dad? I could see my dad doing that <laughs> and all the kids down the street. But but yeah, um, but you, you'll want to divide seeds by the type of plant as well, like flowers, vegetables, herbs, perennials, annuals, um, biennials. So it's almost essentially like taking your propagated plants and then trading them to, to somebody else or, you know, just giving them away. But this process actually encourages a back and a forth, just like a typical library would. So I dig it. I really enjoy that. Yeah, actually. And there's an interesting story um, that's been circulating as of recently as a, like actually most of the uh, the datelines I've seen are 2021 in like February, March, um, covering a young woman named Alicia Serratos. And she, uh, from the pictures, it doesn't actually say in the story that I read, but in from the pictures of her is a Girl Scout. So I imagine that this was uh, as a former Girl Scout. Hey, shout out. Good for you, little girl. Um, but she has taken on the challenge of during the pandemic to assemble kits with organic vegetable herb flower seeds um, and envelopes and plant markers to help communities in all 50 states establish seed libraries so her goal was to have at least two seed libraries in all of the 50 states and i believe as of uh february she completed that goal um and the organization she uh, started is called Three Sisters Seed Box. She started in 2019. So she sent out starter kits to uh, all 50 states. There's two seed libraries and, and everyone now. And yeah, I think that's just a really cool, a really cool thing that a young woman did um, just to have. And I'm sure they're not anything. I don't know any specifics on the seeds. Um, nothing's really said it's exactly these things. I'm sure they're nothing like the indigenous uh, seed keepers network where they're, you know, rare or super difficult. But I think even in um, even in a way for something like a, a little free library, a little free seed library, even having a small 
uh, selection of things or, you know, entry level items, things that aren't super rare. All of that stuff is still valuable and kind of just like, you know, your generic public library isn't less valuable than like, you know, the restricted section of Harvard's library, like those really ancient books that you can't touch without gloves on or you can't touch at all. Um, yeah, those are really important and really necessary to conserve and learn from in the future. But for most people, libraries are a communal place to create, you know, create their own lives. Like people don't have resources, they go to the library to get them. And I think in the same way, if you don't have access to specific food, you want to start a community garden going to a seed library and having that kind of opportunity to get those access to resources is really, really awesome. Absolutely. For sure. I love it. Uh, I aspire to, if not begin one, contribute to one. So hopefully we will keep you abreast of what we decide to do and how we decide to get there, especially since being in Western New York, our planting season is just starting up. So uh, we're still figuring out what crops we're going to be putting in our garden. All the tomatoes. All the tomatoes. And also I'm sure we'll share some photos of uh, the beds that I built last year and some of the the interesting things that we've kind of done to be different, just be different and try to... Try to not just. Yeah, because like be the lame. soil is not super great here. No, it's a lot of clay. It's a lot so. of clay and a lot of shale and slate. Yeah, so, so we've gotten around no that bueno. and planted uh, planted some nice vegetable gardens and plan to do the same this year. Um, so yeah, so lots of cool things. Uh, and like I said, Brian has established little free libraries in the past. So maybe we'll have a little free library and like take a book, take some seeds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have we'll a joint. See, we'll see how it works out. But we the will... stems and stories sponsored little free library. Yes. So <laughs> we'll keep you. Uh, we'll keep you. You know, in in the know about that. But I think that's all we got for you for today. I believe so. Definitely check out ALA. Get involved with uh, National Library Week. Uh, check out some seed library stuff. See if there's any in your local area. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you know. If you have cooler information about a seed network or a seed library we should know about you should probably hit us up on the social media huh? yeah absolutely at stems and stories on all social media platforms that is correct uniformity all right folks <laughs> well hope you enjoy your national library week and we will be we'll be talking with you again soon yeah we'll be back soon go read a book go read a book wake up <laughs> wake up and read a book, read a book.